As a nurse, we experience the full spectrum of emotion, joy, suffering, exhilaration, pride. Each episode, we'll be exploring these emotions in a way we hope you find interesting and sometimes humorous. Welcome to the Bedside Report. I'm Michael. And I'm Daria. And welcome to this edition of Bedside Report. Um, today, we're super excited to be with you all. We've been doing this three-part series um, around COVID-19 and the pandemic and really hearing the voices of our nursing team. And so far, we've highlighted critical care and um, med surge, but today we're focused on um, the emergency room and emergency nurses, which really were that front door um, during this pandemic and um, experienced a lot of tremendous things. And so I'm really excited that they're here to join us today and we're gonna let them introduce themselves. So I'll start with Fallon. Um, hi everyone, my name's Fallon and I currently work at Forsyth Medical Center um, in the emergency department there. And I've been there for about four years. Thank you so much for joining us, Fallon. Really appreciate it. And Heather, I'm going to let you introduce yourself. And Heather, you're on mute. So unmute yourself so that the Novant Health Nation can hear you. <laughs> Hi, can you hear me now? And that's a phrase that we probably <laughs> never said before the pandemic, right? It was like it's become the norm now um, talking on Zoom. That's right. Well, I'm I've been with uh, Novant ED for five years. Um, I did about two years at Forsyth ED and located at Kernersville ED. Really appreciate you joining us as well and um, appreciate the conversation. Paris Lawhorn from Presbyterian Medical Center ED may join us as well. So don't be surprised if we have some, some visitors jump in while, while we're uh, sharing some stories around the pandemic. So thank you so much for joining us. We're very excited that you're here. Um, we want to talk about COVID-19. Um, I want to take us back a year, uh, late winter, early spring of 2020. I remember that the EDs were a flurry. Uh, the EDs are the front door to our health system. Um, there was a lot that was going on to prepare for this onslaught of COVID patients that were going to come and show up at our doors. Um, I know we were putting up tents and reconfiguring waiting rooms. So, Fallon, talk to me about when you first heard about COVID-19 and when did the pandemic first become real for you? So, I remember watching it on the news, seeing the cases all across, you know, Asia and, and Europe and wondering, if it, is it going to reach the U.S.? Is it going to reach Forsyth? And it didn't really become real to me until I started seeing positive after positive on our track board, you know, and so we would see the emblem on our track board and you're like, okay, that patient is positive. Um, and that's really when it set in for me that, wow, this pandemic is here and we have to take this seriously. Yeah. It, it, again, I do remember that too. I remember watching the news and kind of, you know, thinking about, um, you know, is it going to get here? And then lo and behold, it did. How about you, Heather? When did COVID hit Kernersville? And, and what were those early emotions around the pandemic that you were experiencing? Well, we, we saw a few cases coming in the beginning of the, the new year uh, of last year. Um, but it really hit about 
this exact time last year is when we really started noticing um, more cases coming in, hearing about it more, receiving more emails, uh, the tents being set up outside. That's when it started becoming real. It was about this time last year, about the exact same time. And so with all those tents, um, you know, what did you have to use them? Were they packed? Like no, we we had it um one ten and then we had it was almost like a a traveling pod that you would see um set up uh to prepare for it. But we really um set up early. I think everybody was so scared it was gonna be a rush of people coming in and we probably didn't even have a handful of people that went through the tent and the, the pod that we use for setup. I mean, that's what I kind of remember. Like we got ready and then it was quiet. Nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Nothing. And the ED, no one was coming to the EDs. So the EDs it, were really quiet. It was, it was scary. It was um, very intimidating and a lot of uncertain um, feelings. Um, I'm not one that watches the news much, so I really didn't know about COVID until I heard my coworkers talking about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that I know, um, I feel many of us here at Kernersville, we were very intimidated, intimidated for not knowing what was truly coming our way. I don't think anyone really knew. So, Fallon, no. then when, when did the census begin to pick up and you started to really feel the impact of COVID. So just like Kernersville, we set up with multiple tents, even a trailer kind of in our back parking lot of the ED. And we were thinking that we were going to use it. And initially we used it kind of for fast track patients that had mild symptoms. Well, as census began, began increasing, the acuity of those patients with COVID began increasing too, that were not suitable to go to the tent. So we really didn't utilize the tent after that. So I think it really started to set in when we were having to, you know, move patients that were still sick and deserved a room into the hallways because we had all of these high acuity COVID patients that needed a room and we were trying to prevent the spread as well. So um, it became really long nights and days in the emergency department and it became overwhelming to a sense that where are we going to put all of these patients? Yeah, and I remember there were times too where the ED really, you know, while you were doing all those things you talked about and how chaotic it could be at times, you also were bad. The COVID test felt like the ED was the place to go get a COVID test, but really you all needed to be focused on some of these yeah, really absolutely. sick people. So Heather, you know, we're, a year into the pandemic now, um, and you know, in the beginning there were so many changes and things. You know, in the beginning it was changing every day, and in fact, that created I think a a lot of frustration. I'm just curious, um, did it get easier over time caring for patients? And and talk about what it's like now after a year of um, living in this pandemic. Well, I would say this past year we had ups and downs. Um, we had many moments where we, we were learning from each other. We were getting new information, you know, from the CDC on how to prepare us, how to protect us. So I feel like we had so many ups, but we had so many downs, but then we always got right back up as a team. 
and we worked together. We supported one another. We worked together. There was no mistake in asking questions. Our management was there for us 24-7 if we had questions. And I would say now that it's been a year, I would say it has gotten easier um, because we know what to expect now. Um, I don't feel that we're as scared as well with these patients. We have a little bit more understanding on what to look for and how to um, properly gown up and how to handle the situation. So I would think things have gotten better over the past year. Really good insight. Yeah, yeah very um, much so. So Fallon, how about the new normal in, in your ED? What has changed about your everyday work that didn't exist a year ago? So I think there's been changes in the clinical aspect as well as the social aspect of, of nursing at um, in the ED at FMC you know, we would have huddle and we would socialize before our shift. And that was a time for us to share stories or things that we've learned or seen. And, and that we had to take that away initially to try to prevent the spread between coworkers because there was coworkers going down with COVID left and right. And so we took that away. And I think in previous flu seasons, you know, I think there was many nurses that wore masks, but it wasn't really required. You know, it was kind of personal preference. Um, and most of us did, but now it's required. And now we added on an additional N95 all the time. And so that's just kind of become our new normal is that we know that we wear masks and sometimes N95 for COVID patients and we wear the gowns and, and we don't even have to think about it anymore. We just do it. So we've, we've created this routine for, you know, not only COVID patients, but all patients now. Yeah, I would agree with that. that we're all in a routine now. Yep. We don't yeah. even think twice about it. Yep. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely changed our practice. Is there anything that's that's changed that you can't wait for it to go back to or any pre-pandemic uh, things that you're really looking forward to from an ED perspective or is have you gotten adjusted to what this new environment's like? Um, I feel like I've been adjusted to it. Um, I seem to have always worn a mask um, because I cannot have the flu vaccine. So therefore, I always had to wear a mask during flu season. So wearing a mask is not new for me. But wearing an N95 and a mask over it and the glasses and everything else, um, it'd be nice to not fog up while trying to start an IV. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Would be nice. Um, but I feel like this is the new normal for us. Yeah, I agree. So I wanted to just kind of shift gears a little bit on us and really focus on, you know, kind of that the emotional stories that we're hearing coming out of the, the pandemic. Um, and, and it's been tough on all of our nursing teams, but Heather, do you have a, a, a patient or an event from this pandemic that will kind of stick with you forever? I think that the, the patients, not necessarily a patient that will stick out with me for forever is the patients who were COVID positive, who cannot have a family member come back and these patients would take a turn for the worst. And we knew that in our hearts, but we couldn't get the family back at the same time um, for precautions. Um, now, whether or not they were allowed up on the floor to see their loved ones and you know, ICU or IMU, but from an emergency standpoint for protection for the family members, that will always stand out to me is hearing the loved ones cry for each other um, the couples that have been married for 40 plus years, 
you know, they're used to taking care of one another. You know, this, those generations, they don't know their medical history. Their spouse knows their medical history. And for once they were independent and seeing the emotions and the family members faces, seeing them separated, that was an emotional toll for myself. Yeah, we heard a lot from the critical care nurses, especially that they had not seen so much death as they had this past year, that every day they came in and it was another patient that died. Did you see a lot of death in the ED or you mostly got them transferred out before that happened? Um, we, we had our ups and downs with that. Um, I remember one day we had um, three code blues at one time. And we're trying to pull code carts from any area that we can. Um, there were days, weeks where we, you would feel like everybody you were trying to take care of and get better, whether they would pass away on the emergency room floor or on a ICU unit. Um, we still took care of them. So we still took it to heart when we found out that they passed. Or if we would hear the code blue going off in ICU, you would try to remember what room number you sent your patient to. Was this your patient? And it was heartfelt. Yeah. No, that's <clears throat> difficult. I think that's what, um, you know, those that are working at the bedside of experience and what maybe other people outside of a hospital setting don't realize is how much um, death there was and, mm -hmm. and has been with this. How about you, Fallon? Anything over the past year that's kind of been a defining moment for you, whether it's patient experience or a particular patient. Yeah, I agree with everything that Heather has said, you know, having to tell a family or family members that they're not allowed back into the emergency department um, to be with their loved one as they are, if they're critical, or even just to hold their hand as they wait to get results is very hard because the family didn't understand quite why they couldn't be with their family members. Um, but I did have one patient experience that kind of stood out more, more than the others because they were all very hard. But this patient, he was an elderly man. Um, he had many grandchildren and he came in with respiratory distress um, and he went immediately on BiPAP, but he was still alert enough to communicate some. And we knew that intubation was his best option. And I was towards the head of the bed with the provider and he looked at me and he just, he said, promise me that you'll get me home to my grandchildren. And of course in healthcare, you know, you, you just don't make promises that you are not sure that you're going to be able to keep. And I just looked at him and I said, you know, you've got the best working on you and we're going to do everything that we can to get you home to those sweet grandchildren. And that seemed, you could just see that the panic that he had in his eyes just became a little bit less enough for he could go at peace to know that we were going to be caring for him. And that moment will stay with me forever. And that's very hard on my end. I'm just tearing up listening to her because we had many of those experiences, just as she said, it, it's uh, you listen to each nurse, CNA provider talk about their stories and you cry with them, you tear up with them because you know that emotion. Yeah. And it doesn't leave you. Even nah. months later, you still think about it and you get teary eyed. You feel the emotion in your voice change because you want that person to have a successful outcome, but there's no guarantee with this virus. So yeah. all these stories and, you know, we've done two other podcasts. This is our third one. It really just bring, 
brings home this concept of moral distress and, and you know, that is the toll that caring for these very sick patients take on the caregivers, especially when there's these ethical circumstances layered on top with, you know, no visitation or, um, you know, all these types of things. So, um, Heather Fallon, did, did you or any of your colleagues feel this? Is this something that you talk about at all? Yeah, I think initially we we had a hard time talking about it because no one knew exactly what the right thing was to say. I think as ED nurses, we're kind of tough on the outside and we don't like to show emotion. And at some point we had to look at each other and say, it's okay to cry. It's okay to feel this emotion because emergency nursing and nursing all over is not something that you can just leave at the door and not take home. You take it home with you. You take those patient encounters and that emotion home with you. And sometimes it's not easy to talk to about it at home because those individuals may not understand exactly what you're feeling. So we had to learn how to talk to each other. Yeah, most definitely. My, you know, my mother is a retired nurse and my father's a retired coroner investigator. So they've had their share of dealing with death. And I always found myself after work calling my parents and speaking to them and they would reassure me it's okay, you know, it's not your fault, it's not your team's fault. Unfortunately, this is, this is life, this is what we're going through. And just hearing that reassurance from my parents was probably the, the biggest privilege that I had during this. Yeah, I think hearing your stories and certainly hearing other stories, I think the thing that I'm struck by is it wasn't just one story either. You know, it's not just one experience that you had during this last year. I'm sure the reality is there's multiple situations like that that happened for each of you individually over the course of the year, not just that one. I mean, that one alone would leave an indelible mark on, on your memory, but um, it, it's, I appreciate you um, truly, truly sharing um, and, and, and sharing that. So, um, we want to. We mentioned at the outset that Paris Lawhorn will be joining us um, from PMC, and so we um, are excited to um, have Paris join us. We're going to let her introduce herself and share where she works and how long she's been with Novon, and then love to bring her into the conversation um, and get her perspective on um, some of her experiences as well. Paris, yeah, why don't you um, introduce yourself? You know how to take yourself off mute? That's, that's our theme is to take yourself off mute. Oh, I think you're on, <laughs> you're on, you're on mute, Paris. Sorry. Can you hear me? There you are. Yeah, yeah. there you are. We had similar <laughs> issues in the beginning. We, 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 we're, we're a year into this and we're still trying to manage Zoom. <laughs> so, um, I'm Paris. I've been here at Presby, uh, for the about, uh, in June, it'll be four years. I started here as a new grad. And so I've always been here in the ED. So this is just kind of where I've made my home. Yeah, and, and um, Paris, as you were joining us, um, you know, Fallon and Heather were sharing, you know, some of the emotional stories or just things that they experienced, um, you know, during this, this last year. I'm wondering if there's anything over this last year that stands out to you in particular, whether it was just, you know, a patient experience or experience with one of your, your teammates. Um, Anything that stands out for you related to this last year and the, the tremendous and important work that you did? Yeah, there's a couple of things. Um, I definitely want to give lots of recognition to our leadership. 
Um, I think they did a really good job um, as far as keeping us on track and, you know, as far as policy changes, you know, making sure that we have PPE, et cetera, and just kind of being a morale booster for all of us. Um, I think they did a really, really good job at that. Um, I definitely saw us come together as a team really well. We've already really worked out as far as that teamwork, um, working with each other, but with COVID, because, you know, especially at the very beginning, you'd go into a patient's room, you don't know what you need to do. You know, you have those doctors who will put in orders, you know, every five minutes instead of putting everything in at one time. And so you had to have, you know, your runners or your people who could help you. Um, and so it was really good to see that teamwork and that camaraderie go together, come together. Um, as far as the patient care, it was it was definitely difficult. I kind of felt the, heard the end of what Fallon was saying as far as that emotional toll. Um, I definitely had some some people stick with me as far as you know their their progression within with the disease, and you know unfortunately a lot of them did not survive, and so that was difficult. But it was one of those things where you have to you can't emotionally tie yourself to it because you got the next patient coming in, and you have to it's hard to separate. You know, it's it's different because we're still human, but we ha definitely had to learn how to separate ourselves from that so we can continue to do our job, essentially. Well, and I think you all have touched on that. All of you have just touched on, you know, the stress and the challenge of that. And no doubt the ED was, you know, the first line of defense, if you will, in terms of battling COVID and the number of patients that were coming into the facility and then the number of patients that were on the inpatient side. And... And so, you know, that gets to be a grind. It gets to be very emotionally, um, you know, challenging day in and day out. So, Paris, I'm, I'm curious, you know, um, what allowed you to come back to work each day? What helped support you, um, you know, in, in having the, the, the ability to come back day after day and, and do what you did? Well, I would definitely say it's the, the, the teamwork and our leadership for sure. I mean, aside from the financial necessity, obviously there were a lot of people in the world who, um, you know, were furloughed or lost their jobs. And unfortunately, my husband was one of those people, so I could not come to work. But, um, you know, just the, the, the teamwork and our leadership definitely was that those those driving forces that kept me coming to work every day, as exhausting as it was. Um, but, and the patients too, cause they're, I feel like I'm, I, I, I'm, I like establishing a good rapport with my patients. Um, and so just being with them in this time where everybody's terrified, um, you know, that definitely kept me coming back for sure. That's a really good point. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, um, last year was the year of the nurse and, and who would have thought that we would have. Uh, experience the year of the nurse during the pandemic, and they've extended it to 2021. But the light has been shining on nursing. Um, and if we weren't already the most respected um, profession in the country already, I think uh, we went beyond that. But Fallon, you know, with, with the light still shining on our profession, what, what message would you want the world to know about nursing? So I would want the world to know that the nursing profession is full of individuals that are hardworking. They're dedicated. We are a resilient profession. You know, we come to work every single day to try to make a difference in, in not just one person's life, but everyone that we touch. And, you know, I don't think the nursing profession is looking for a thank you in any of this, but just to know that we are respected and that we can make a difference in this world is just enough. Yeah, that, that's that's awesome. 
That's awesome. And and I I think in terms of advice, Heather, you know, I imagine you all talked about sharing with other. You talked about sharing with your parents and. Um, but what advice do you have for nurses that may be out there still struggling, even though the, we may be beyond the surge, but they're still, you know, um, digesting all of what happened? Any any advice for, for other nurses? Teamwork, your coworkers, that's going to be your biggest, biggest support along with your management. Um, you have to be able to be open to express your concerns, to express when you're struggling, to express when you're emotional, physically. Um, I think the biggest thing to get through it, you know, you could say go home and relax, but none of us necessarily go home and relax. We have too much on our mind from work. I would say my teammates, that would be my biggest advice to anybody is rely on your teammates. We are an emergency department family. Um, I'm family with Forsyth. As long as Presby, Rowan, Clemens, we're a family, all of us together, and we have to stick together. And to me, that would be my biggest advice and support is to reach out to one another and be honest. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's fantastic. I, you know, it's Im important and you all couldn't do the work you did and do every day without obviously the support of one another. And so I think that's tremendous. What about you, Paris? Any advice for others that are out there that may still be struggling? Um, anything that was helpful for you or, or things that you um, would advise other nurses? Well, it's actually funny that Heather said what she mentioned. I had a student with me earlier this morning uh, while I was out in triage and she made a comment about how well we all as a team work together and just our relationship. And I was like, yeah, we're, we're a family here. I mean, you, you know, you'll have those days where you are stressed out and sometimes you need somebody to just crack a joke or whatever it might be. So we're, I, I definitely agree with Heather from that perspective. Um, but I definitely don't want to discredit the, the self-care. Um, yeah, when we go home, we are stressed. We are tired. We have all these things on our mind. But sometimes just taking that moment to yourself while you're at home on those days off, just to, even if it's just to take a nap you know, depending on, you know, your home life. I have a toddler, so naps are hard for me. But <laughs> sometimes just, you know, making sure you, you take care of yourself outside of work, I think is extremely important. Alan or Heather, what, what are your self-care indulgences? I turn the um, radio on my way okay. home. Yeah. No, no radio on the way home. <laughs> quiet. 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 Not clear. Quiet. Time. Usually my last four hours of work, I'm, I'm in triage, so it's a lot of talking. <laughs> so I I have about a 40 minute ride home. So I, I enjoy the quiet of my ride home. Um and just sometimes just sometimes I feel like when I get home in my driveway, I just sit in my car for a little bit. Wow. I have to collect myself before I can go in that house. Hmm. And just having wow. that time of collecting my thoughts by myself sitting in my car. Sometimes that five minutes means the most. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. Yeah. Alan, how about you? What do you do to take care of yourself? So I'm kind of the opposite of Heather in the car ride. I'm the one that turns up the music and jams. Even though I can't sing, I pretend that I can sing. And so that's kind of my go-to. And then I also, when I get home, um, I'm very a faith-based person. And I just have to take those few minutes to just talk to my Lord and Savior and say, let me get to another day to do this again. And so that's what gets me through it. 
we could not be more in awe of the work that you do every day. Um, you know, we're nurses, we, we get it, but you, you never really know how nursing is going to show up with what we've had to deal with this, this past year. So um, you've, you've made yourselves proud, the profession proud, um, your, your patients are lucky to have you uh, there at their side. So thank you for participating in the, in the podcast today and, and sharing some uh, very personal stories that it has truly been an honor. Yeah, I, and, and, and I, I want to echo that. It absolutely has been a pleasure. And the work that you all do is hard anyway, without a pandemic. And so to have navigated the challenges that you all had to navigate over this last year really is remarkable. And I am extraordinarily proud to work with folks like you and, and just thankful for all that you've done for so many patients and um, appreciate you making the time um, to be here with us today. Again, can't thank you enough. Can't Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. So this um, kind of concludes our three-part series on our uh, COVID-19 um, pandemic as experienced by Novant Health. Clinical It'll kind nurses. of be hard to, <laughs> to top the conversations that I we don't have even with some folks know here. what our next topic is because this has been so powerful. But until uh, we figure out what, what that is, uh, stay well, stay safe, and get vaccinated. Thanks, everyone. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Bedside Report. Be on the lookout for more episodes coming your way very soon. We look forward to having more interesting and exciting conversations to share with you.